0: Last time on Montreal sauce.
1: So like obviously you want to back up your pictures, but maybe maybe we don't take those naked pictures right now during the podcast, you know. <laughs> but uh we can move on from uh jibber jabbery education stuff. We're losing the teacher.
2: It's September. <clears throat> <laughs> it's almost past my bedtime
1: we should probably talk about um, media to wake her up uh, actually we had a date night recently because of all the stress of September coming looming and we went to see a movie what did we go see
2: we went to see The Giver
1: yeah Was Right. It, is it better than the book Or
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's never better than the book yeah I don't know. I read the book a long time ago, like about 10 years ago. But um, um, yeah, it, it nothing can really beat your imagination from a well-written book. But I think it did a good job.
1: It was my problem with it was like, I just felt that it was like really poor cinematography. Like the script was solid and some of the actors were good. It just was like lazy cinematography. It just... Like, the movie opens with um, a voiceover, which can always make or break a movie. But uh, it opens with the voiceover, and they show the kid in, like, sort of, like, super slow-mo. They just show, like, a close-up of his face. You know, it just feels lazy. Like, you could have shown <laughs> the town, like, during the voiceover. You could show whatever you want. But, no, he's talking, so I'm going to show his face. You know, like... Um, and then, oh, the other comment I had about the movie was the chase scene. It was like they'd never shot an action scene in their lives. So he jumps on his bicycle with a baby and or a motorcycle and he drives off. Spoilers. And, and two other motorcycles like <laughs> chase after him. And it's like that was the spoiler siren in the background.
2: Yes, yes exactly.
1: <laughs> that was the. it was just like. A little bit of shaky cam and a few quick cuts and they were like, uh okay, we give up. We don't know how to do action scenes. So (laughs) So yeah, I I wasn't I just I really like the script and I probably would like the book, but I was not impressed with the movie's
2: choices. So this is the difference between Chris and I. Chris, who's like a film guy and studied film in school, (laughs) goes and like, you know, views it through a lens of how it's made and i go "Ooh, movie and (laughs) i just sit back and kind of enjoy it and i don't overthink them too much so
1: well that's what i argue though is that um i do have some education that uh, i'm not currently using as much as i should but uh (laughs) but um if a movie can like suspend my disbelief like it's all really i was gonna say It's a really great film if it can do that. But if I get caught in a like, Oh, that's totally CG. Then I'm out. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think
0: your, um, your suspension of disbelief bar is a little bit higher than, um, (laughs) than a lot of folks. Um, I mean, mine included. So, um, so I have similar training from the same program. In fact, um, in terms of our degree and like, I'll go to a movie like, and we've talked about it, you know, Captain America or the Avengers or whatever. And, um, as long as there isn't like super blatant, like we're just going to throw out this thing that happened in the last movie because it's not, we don't want it to be relevant to this movie. Right. Um, (laughs) and as long as that kind of stuff doesn't happen, that totally throw me, Or like you said, if there's really bad CGI, uh, that's going to, you know, if it's like Sharknado level CGI and I'm expecting something way better than that, um, it's not going to work out very well uh, in terms of me enjoying the movie. But aside from that, I can overlook a lot of things. Um, But yeah, there there is a certain element where all of a sudden, once you have unhooked, then you start to make those like... I don't like that they're focusing on his face and not showing me something more interesting while he's talking kinds of decisions that the director made because you just aren't buying into it anymore. Right.
1: I think the other thing was, is the, um, Oh, that's what I was complaining about. (laughs) Yeah. Paul is with you. Totally. He, uh, he thinks I'm very critical and I I understand that, but no, the giver, um, he is actually the giver in the film. Who um, was it? Bridges? Jeff Bridges? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He actually bestows memories to someone.
2: The receiver.
1: The receiver, yes. <laughs> These are good names. You can understand this film. Uh, but um, he bestows memories, and I don't like effects for effects sakes like you would Paul had said um Captain America was really done, well done like fight scenes and stuff it wasn't just like Transformers like just throwing stuff at the screen and and so I don't like it when there's a lot of effects but I felt like they had an oh, opportunity yeah. <laughs> to do something when he gives memories and literally it was just stock footage and so i was like what and and to be honest like there was a couple scenes where like the giver is like teaching um some emotions that they don't have in this uh fictional world and they were touching stock scenes that like touched me and i was like oh my god that's like terribly sad or that's really great but i was just like really like so are you just hoping to make major bank on this film? Like, you're, you're literally phoning it in with stock footage? Like, so, but I think, you know, first impressions are really big too. Like, you know, your first like nine seconds or whatever. And mm-hmm. so the fact that it was voiceover <laughs> focused on this kid, and in his voiceover, he said, I've always seen the world differently. So since they have this close up of his face for like 25 seconds while he's talking, I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? Um, Then they, because he's looking sort of up, they show the trees that he's looking at because he's like riding his bicycle. And it was sort of like this, because he said, I see things different. So that's when you put in like a different cut. Again, that seems sort of obvious, but (laughs) uh, but okay, that's your choice. But it was like, they did the trees kind of like pixelated. Cause he sees them differently. And I was like, again, I felt like that was like the first, the beginning part of the movie. And you did like this sort of like pixelated effect, which made it look like a YouTube and I'm in the theater. Like, you know? And yeah. So yeah. that sort of took me out of the movie before I even got in. So, but like I said, I really love the script and I love the idea. It was uh, definitely a good film. Have you seen any films recently? Uh, I think the
0: most recent thing that Tina and I have seen in the theater ha- was uh Guardians actually. So you um, did go to Guardians? Awesome. Yeah, we
1: we got a chance to go
0: see Guardians. I think that was just after our last uh our last recording a couple uh Oh, it was a good uh 4 weeks ago, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in that span we did we got a chance to go see Guardians, which um we really enjoyed. Um Typically, uh, we go to see the comic book movies more for me than for her. Um, (laughs) And she will typically say, you know, that she enjoys them. um, But that usually means I enjoyed it and I don't necessarily need to see it again. Whereas I usually want to buy it on iTunes the next day um, (laughs) (laughs) as my typical MO. Uh, And she actually said, I really enjoyed that movie. I'd like to see it again sometime. So that was high praise from Tina.
2: We're having a standoff, look off here. Sorry for the silence. That's okay. I uh, I liked the analogy. I can relate to the (laughs) to your story. Yes.
1: I actually offered to take her to see the Guardian or Guardians instead of the Giver, but she's like, "You already saw it."
2: Well, because Chris sees and has seen so many movies. Sure. Um. And I'm sort of the antithesis of Christopher and haven't seen <laughs> many, many sort of iconic movies that he's always rewatching movies to share with me. So I always feel guilty
1: mm. when
2: he's like, Oh no, I'll go again. So so that's why we went to the giver.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. I just I recently in one of the rewatchings, I recently made her, I, <laughs> I read a blog post on, um, the awesomeness <laughs> that is The Last Starfighter. <laughs> and so uh, she's like, what's that? i never heard of it. And I was like, what? And so I slipped over to Amazon.ca and paid $12 for the Blu-ray. So
2: <laughs> I think that movie is one of those movies that's awesome when you see it when you're 12. And so it's equally awesome when you're 40. But when you see it for the first time when you're 40, it's not quite as awesome. <laughs> but i can appreciate the nostalgia that must have come with it
1: yeah yeah well i didn't i didn't realize and that's kind of i got the dvd because it comes with a bunch of extras um that's what this blog post was talking about i realized that was pretty much like the first like cgi film and colette will tell you it's quite obvious but uh <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I I didn't I had no idea and they were so worried about being um confused or um looking like they were trying to be like a Steven Spielberg or a Star Wars film um trying to compete in that thing that they they had a lot of talks about how they can make their movie like different so that people don't think that they're just trying to like cash in and this sure. kind yeah. of uh, it's definitely a good uh, little Blu-ray with uh, extras. It's like the 25th anniversary version, but uh, you get to learn a lot about uh, animation. And that's uh, why recently in my Twitter feed, I was saying I, I need to find me like uh, uh, an, an old Cray supercomputer because that'd be totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so because uh, that's what they used, uh, which is Yes, we
2: crazy. need another computer. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, I want this one for the entryway, though, it's a big chair, basically. Yeah, exactly. The Cray would actually be
0: uh, as much furniture as it would be a computer. <laughs> yes. Actually, at this point, more, more <laughs> furniture than yeah. computer, really.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you could empty it out, and it would be a nice, like, there would be a coat closet in the middle and some nice under-seat benching, uh, under-seat storage uh, under the bench areas of it.
1: I wonder how warm it would be in the center while the thing was running. <laughs> I'm sure. No one could tell you the answer because they'd be like so, sort of irradiated somehow.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sure that they had, that they had to put those machines in
1: seriously cooled, um, buildings. <laughs> um, so now that you told everyone that, uh, you're 40 Colette, <laughs> you can talk about your 40 at 40 list that you just did.
2: Oh, yeah, that I have not accomplished.
1: How many books have you read though?
2: um yeah, so I had this inspiration in at the end of June when summer was ahead of me, and I thought I'd have all this time in the world and, <laughs> and uh you know, one of the habits I have in the summer is sleeping in and, and doing
1: shipping me off to Michigan yes,
2: well, I had to complete things on my list, yeah. But, uh, you know, you kind of get lazy sometimes in the summer too. And uh, so I was trying to inspire myself. So I made this 40 at 40 list and I was trying to riff off 40 as much as possible, perhaps stupidly. So (laughs) I'm going to read not just a few books over the summer. I'm going to read 40 books over the summer. (laughs) And you can tell I'm a Um, non-reader. When I say I'm going to read 40 books, because most people who read quite regularly are like, I can barely get that done in a year. You're crazy. My mom especially thought that was quite amusing. But um, I think I've read about 17 between uh, July and now. So considering I usually read about four or five in the summer, it's quite impressive. But my end date is actually like the official end of summer. So I have until the end of Uh, September here to work on it but so i'm going to add the books i read at school with the kids i think <laughs> to <top it laughs> off. so far i can add about five books in the last three days so.
1: have you read anything that you really enjoyed worth-
2: um i read i think it's a book that it sounds like a lot of americans probably have read um <laughs> as a part of their high school is the book night um which is a. Uh, first person account of the Holocaust and Auschwitz. Mm. And um, what really surprised me about that book, because it's heart wrenching and it's very honest and very raw. And, um, you know, it's someone who basically admits to all the things that, you know, a human goes through, including, I guess, the darker side of being a prisoner, um, which I thought was admirable, but it was such a quick read. Like it wasn't, sometimes those sad books for me are really hard to get through and I have to put them down and walk away, but I, um, was able to get through it quite quickly. Um, and I thought that was a really, I I mean, I see it, why it's on reading lists. It's an important story Mm -hmm. to, to hear. Um, and I read, uh, one my mom recommended. It's equally as old as that one. It's, we always lived in the castle, which is, um, kind of like it's not a horror in that sense of the word but a a a thriller but where the crime really has happened prior to the story but you learn about the crime through the story and sort uh. of the twist it's you know a descent into madness really hmm. as a reader you you kind of so that was a really interesting book because um it's a slow story which we don't always have these days so i enjoyed that those are probably the Two uh, books I liked the best.
1: In truth, I'm just watching the clock because I want to make sure, like, you know, we don't spend like an entire hour talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> I, could,
2: I could go on to Goodreads and, and double check.
1: <laughs> no, but the new Doctor is out. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Ooh. Uh,
2: well, I don't like change. Okay. So it takes me a while to...
0: To warm up to a
2: new doctor. To warm up. And see, this is really my first new doctor because I am. I come to Doctor Who through marriage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
2: So we... Um, doctor not only Who in ha- law. Doctor Who in law, yeah. Who in law.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, not only has Chris tried to indoctrinate me with movies, but TV shows as well. So we've watched a lot of archived footage of lots of different TV shows and Doctor Who... We jumped in um, with, I guess, Matt Smith was really my first Doctor. We watched Hmm. those episodes. Okay. Um, And then we went back to Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant. And then Matt Smith again when his last season came out. So this was the first time I really personally had to deal with the regeneration as a fan. Because before, it all existed already. So I was just, you know... It was what it was. So, yeah. So, uh, and I love Matt Smith. So I had a, I had a bit, I've had a bit of a hard time with it. I think a lot of people have, he's such a different doctor.
0: He was very good. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, um, and I just, I I feel that uh, this doctor hasn't decided who he is solely yet either in the script writing anyway. He seems, it seems like they have had his regeneration sort of fuddle him a little bit longer than the other ones.
0: Sure, yeah. For me,
2: that's what's yep. come
0: across. Yeah, so I would say I have watched uh, some of the old, old Doctor Who. Um, so uh, the Doctors that you um, just talked about, Eccleston and and David Tennant, and then Matt Smith um, are all of the like, new Who. A lot of. <laughs> a lot of people call it the, when they revived the series in 2005.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and I, that was what I started with was actually um, uh, Christopher Eccleston. Um, so we started because that was, that was on Netflix and I was, it was like, we were looking for a show to watch and there was a good, you know, three, I think seasons already of Dr. Who when, when Tina and I kind of discovered it on Netflix. And so we started with Eccleston and then we're surprised because we didn't know the the whole history of it um, when he all of a sudden turned into David Tennant. And we were like, oh, OK, this is <laughs> this is an interesting show. Maybe we should learn more about the show in general. And as part of that, we actually went back and there's a number of episodes on um, on Netflix of the old series as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them. And they're much harder to watch. Uh, continuously because the show was structured entirely differently, um, which is kind of interesting as well. Um, but I went back and watched a number of the regeneration episodes of the different doctors uh, regenerating into each other. So you'd watch like the episode, the that doctor's last episode and then the next doctor's first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the older doctors, um, you can tell that there's a lot more like he spends almost his first entire episode. Um, or the, the first at that, at that time there were like series where one, what we would call an episode now would be more like four 25 minute series in the old format. Mm -hmm. Um, and he would spend that whole four, four series of episodes, um, kind of figuring out who he was. And in some cases, um, he could wake up um, from his regeneration and kind of be a little bit more violent um, and really not recognize his companions and not know what's going on at first. And he he kind of has to settle like they usually have to have some kind of a crisis to sort of settle into themselves.
2: Hmm. So um, this was more true to that history then?
0: I felt like this was more true to that history, Yeah. Um, and David Tennant's is kind of like that too, only his is more like he spends that first episode, almost entirely that first episode just sleeping, right? Right, that's right,
2: <laughs> that's true.
0: Um, because of that, that regeneration for whatever reason kind of goes weird as well. They all go weird because it takes a bizarre circumstance to actually kill the doctor and force him to regenerate, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, they're they're kind of um that first episode did have a very weird pacing to it. I mm-hmm. felt like um I felt like the script was not intended to be cuz they made it a long episode too. It was like an hour and a half or was it 2 hours? It was like an hour and a half instead of an hour long yeah. episode. And I feel like they wrote the script to be an hour long. They shot a lot more footage than what they intended and decided to mm. dive into. Like instead of leaving something on the cutting room floor, they were like, you know what? I think we have an opportunity to make this a 90-minute episode. And they chose to do that instead of making better decisions on in editing um, mm. and cutting some pieces out that probably didn't need to be there. Um, regeneration episodes are – hard. Um, just because you're trying to give this new doctor some room to breathe and kind of establish himself a little bit, or at least give him a chance to be weird for his first episode because he's just regenerated. Um, you're trying to give the companion a little bit of room and because it's new Doctor Who, you're also trying to establish this series, um, you know, running story. So we have mm-hmm. that, like at the end where, um, spoiler alert, um, yeah. <laughs> the guy, the villain who dies sort of wakes up in quote unquote heaven and right. he meets this person who we've never seen before. As far as I can remember, we've never seen this person before. Yeah. And she very clearly knows who the doctor is, huh. um, and is very interested in him. um, and so there's all of these sort of pieces of setup that are happening throughout that episode, and it and they didn't mesh as well as they could have.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was awkward. I felt the first episode just because he. I mean, I think I kind of get like what you're saying is sort of like they're sort of piecing him together, like what he was and what is he what is he becoming? But there, it felt like. At times like he dropped a lot of lines that were sort of like Matt Smith like esque, like quirky yeah. funny lines, and he yeah. just sort of like swallowed them or dropped them. And so I can see like yeah, he's going through a change, but it just I felt it was a little bit disjointed, like you're saying, like it probably could have been edited better. But I also think like I'm not sure, um but It felt like it was, like, the first episode that they taped, whether that's true or not, just because Mm -hmm. it sort of felt like it lacked a little chemistry. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that's weird to say considering, like, you know, they're going through this identity crisis, so how could they have chemistry? But, yeah, it just felt like... Yeah, like the actors were sort of stepping on each other and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I enjoy the actress that plays Clara there, but I've never found that she had a lot of chemistry with the doctor in general. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I always felt kind of a, a weird. Split between that, because I do when she's acting solo or with other characters, I quite enjoy her. But I never really got the bond on the level that the script was saying that the two of them had.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of pieces of the first episode that I really liked. Um, the where he's in the alley with the homeless guy, um, discovering that he's uh, Scottish. I really, <laughs> I really like that because you kind of he gets the chance to kind of be um, to do his own thing. He's sort of monologuing, but obviously he's monologuing with an audience, a person that he's actually talking to. Um, his his line about his eyebrows being independently cross, I like that. <laughs> um, and then I I also like the conversation that he has with Clara at the restaurant. Um, because I felt like they were actually, then you're actually seeing some, uh, something going on between the two of them. And, uh, that was, that was interesting. Like you said, uh, Chris, I think that that scene could have used more chemistry. Um, it, did. it didn't, it didn't land right. Um, but it was a, it was a good, um it was a good scene to have be there.
1: I did really like that scene. Like the, it was just more, um, I, I do enjoy, I think that's something that I sort of miss, like, um, that Matt Smith did so well was the banter. Yeah. And, um, and I think that tenant had a better balance, of, like, the banter and the seriousness than probably Matt Smith did. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think we're going back into, like, a more serious doctor, obviously. And so it's sort of jarring. Uh, Part of me is, like, I I made the comment after the second episode, uh, part of me is a little bit disappointed because, you know, the show since 2005 has matured greatly, as far as production values go,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: you look at the uh, Christopher Eggleston ones, <laughs> and like there are mannequins coming alive and shooting people, <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of cheesy. And even like the early Tenant seasons, before you get into like some really good like makeup work <laughs> with the Ood, like there are yeah. some funky looking aliens, and um, then you know you move even further to Matt Smith and you have the silence who look terrifying. And, um, so production values have gotten better. Um, but even throughout that, there was sort of that same sort of like, um, timey, wimey, cheesy sort of time traveler, fun (laughs) adventures, um, that was sort of around the show. And, um, I feel like this season, whether or not it's true, I feel like they're sort of competing with like uh this idea that's like really big in Hollywood movies is like we're we're not gonna do like the one liner superhero movies anymore we're gonna do like serious like character studies of Batman, you know like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's all about like the drama now and and so. I think that that's where this doctor's headed and
2: seems darker anyway.
1: Yeah. Darker. That's much better than my rambling. Thanks. This is why I married her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It seems like they're going for a dark thing, which is very popular right now, which kind of makes me sad is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. 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 I do think this is a bit, uh, darker of a doctor. Um, I did think it was interesting that he sort of recognized his face, but he doesn't remember where he got it. He's Mm -hmm. like, he like looked in the mirror and he's like, and both of those. So there, there were several, I felt like several callbacks to David Tennant episodes specifically. And one is, um, his face. I mean, that actor was in one of the David Tennant episodes, um, the fires of Pompeii. Um, But then separately from that, the whole episodes, um, you know, the whole plot with the villains was, you know, a clone and they, you know, they talk about it. But it's the clone of the um, David Tennant episode with the um, uh, Marie Antoinette, right? uh, Where the ship is trying to rebuild itself based on parts and she's not ready yet kind of thing. So – Um, And I thought that was interesting, too, which made me think that maybe there's going to be additional like callbacks to like skipping over the Matt Smith years, but actually bringing up more stuff out of the David Tennant years back into modern
1: or latest who. Because because David Tennant and Billy Piper are like, hey, we need some money (laughs) and the doctor back to our time. There you go. (laughs)
0: send them to the alternate universe where uh rose and the the other doctor are still (laughs) flying around somewhere
1: right and her mom and a new baby yes yeah (laughs) and there's a weird i was just there's a weird thing there too like doesn't maybe it isn't the alternate universe there's a it's a is after the uh Is it after the Martha Jones uh sort of series where um we find out that um Martha and Mickey have suddenly hooked up?
2: That's at the end isn't it of the
1: Is that? Yeah, that's at the end
0: of that's in uh the half-hour extended cut David Tennant's Doctor's about to regenerate yeah. ending where he like...
2: They tie up all the loose ends.
0: Yeah, they tie up all the loose ends. Exactly.
1: But then there's like the Christmas special or something with Martha Jones and she meets some guy there and then they have a future together as well. There's like this weird like... Oops. Huh. Martha has like two bows, I think. I feel like I just... Uh, somehow read like a blog post on that interesting. I feel like there was this sort of Martha or Mickey like had two different futures and it was like, "Wait, what?"
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the Matt Smith regeneration was interesting because it was so um it was such a clean break. Like he goes and visits all these people and then he comes back as Matt Smith and None, none of those people would recognize him now, right? None of them saw him regenerate. He wasn't around anybody. Um, and they start back up with him uh, and, you know, Amy Pond. And that's that starts Matt Smith. And he builds his own set of, like, new companions that he talks to. And he doesn't, like, none of, none of the other ones sort of show up again, right? yeah so I do kind of wonder if this doctor is going to start tying some of that stuff back together again or not.
1: Hmm. Yeah. That'd be really interesting. Cause who doesn't love river song?
0: Yes. Well, I have, I, I have a theory that the, the woman in heaven is actually uh river song, but, um, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know how cohesive, how, how cohesive it is yet
1: i hmm. uh, yeah interesting yeah because i feel like the very first time we meet her she she said something like that like that made me think something similar
0: Mm-hmm. yeah she says something about how did you me- did you meet my boyfriend does he have yeah. a new face um and and just the nature of so I'm trying to remember. So in the second episode, have you guys seen the second episode now as well? Yes. Yeah. Um in the second episode, was some of the one of the people on the army team dies and yeah. then and then wakes up in heaven, is that right?
2: Yeah, she sacrifices yeah. herself.
0: That's right. She sacrifices herself. So that could throw my theory out of out of whack. Um because my theory is that The woman is in heaven. She's actually in the computer that River Song is in after um, David Tennant saves her at the end of the library episode. Um, But she has somehow kind of taken over and corrupted the computer. And now she's like observing the doctor through history and, and trying to also save people. But she has some kind of other ulterior motive going on. That's my theory.
1: <laughs> nice. See, yeah. now, what I thought was kind of, I mean, it's probably uh, Chris needs new glasses and hasn't yet been <laughs> able to purchase them. But um, what I thought was kind of weird was um, Amy Pond, in I believe it was her last season, uh, kept seeing people, right? Like spying on her. And, like, so they would, like, open, like, a little, like, thing through time and space and look at her and tell her something and then disappear. Yes, yep. And and so that one of those particular, quote-unquote, villains was, like, a black-haired lady with, like, an eye patch. And I just kind of wondered, like, she seemed to be, like so mysterious and who is this woman and then sort of like when they tied all those loose ends together and matt smith saves the day it was sort of like i never really got to know the backstory of this character so sure. i just wondered yeah. if i wondered if she was like one and the same before she loses her eye or something okay but, yeah but that was just just because like i said uh, i'm not uh I don't have the right prescription in my glasses so i just see a brunette <laughs> woman and i say wasn't there a brunette woman another season <laughs> so that's where i'm getting that from but uh anyway
0: so what did you think of uh into the dalek
2: mm. i'm kind of like with TV shows the same as movies. I'm like, "Ooh, escapism." I didn't overthink it a whole bunch. Okay. I kind of just go by gut reaction, but um I, overall I enjoyed it. Um but I wasn't like, "Wow, that was great."
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: That's my synopsis. Chris can elaborate.
1: <laughs> uh, I I um I really enjoyed that one. Um I felt like he was sort of like coming into his own like And so I feel like with that episode, like the, any sort of vitriol that I have for um, that particular episode is because I'm still connected to the last doctor. So I think that's good. Like it's an emotional response, which is what they want. Like this is a more serious doctor. He's darker. Yeah. So I think they they hooked me in that episode so that they got me. So I don't think that... um, there wasn't i don't think there were things that i was dissatisfied with or that i wished had happened differently like i think i was affected emotionally because i wanted the old doctor back and that's exactly why they're making him so different so i think it was overall a good episode then because i didn't really nitpick too much
0: yeah I liked at the end how upset he was when the doc- when the Dalek told him that uh that he would be that he was a good Dalek that uh that the doctor is a good Dalek um, yeah I
2: thought that was interesting
0: yeah i thought i thought um I thought Peter Capaldi played that very well in terms of um his reaction to it because there's kind of like a um he doesn't. He doesn't get super emotional about it. He's kind of already processed it in a sense, but you can just tell that that like the thought of that um, weighs on him and makes him want to um, be different in some way, and he doesn't know how to do that yet. Um,
2: I thought it was interesting, sort of this whole concept of the heaven coming up in the last two episodes, and then um, when. The Dalek is seeing things. He's talking about divinity in the. Yeah. um, And I thought the two things together, I think if I just heard the one by itself, but the two together, I was wondering if there's going to be sort of a larger overarching sort of comment on. I don't know what's out there beyond the doctor and the universe or something like that. Mm hmm maybe it was just a word, but to me, I kind of was left with a question of, I wonder where they're going with that particular theme
1: or or it's not so broad. And we're sort of getting into this, like blaming the doctor because he does act like he's God choosing who lives and who dies. Yeah. Yeah. Through time and space. So, but yeah, that, um,
0: yeah, I mean, that's that, um, I keep going back to David Tennant episodes, but that it harkens back to the end of, um, the waters of Mars where, um, he takes, he decides that he's going to go against his own rules and save this person that he knows should die in this like fixed point in time. And she realizes that he's playing God with her and she can't, she can't live with herself knowing that that's the, that that's what happened. Um, and, uh, and that, decision, um, weighs on him because she does something about it pretty immediately. And, uh, and he just, you know, he, he realizes and he says it in the next episode too, that like he's, he's lived too long and he needs to figure out how to let go and maybe experience the universe instead of, um, Mm -hmm. instead of trying to bend it to what he wants it to be. (laughs) fiend
1: yes I know once you finish with that statement I she pointed at me like I was supposed to (laughs) she's really got this podcast thing down after just barely an episode she's producing it now yeah (laughs) good and go to one and take one yeah (laughs) um so yeah, that's our TV. I can talk more TV because I've been watching some really bad shows. But uh, um, well, I guess I can go into it briefly. Me brief. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's been leaving now. Uh, I, I started um, while I was w- trying to get some work done when my eye would cooperate and my pain would cooperate. I started watching um, Dust Till Dawn, the TV show. Um, because I love that movie, but I really had no interest in a TV show when I heard it came out. Um, (laughs) but, um, kind of like we talked about when Sally Ann was a guest is I do really like some bad television or mindless television because then I don't have to pay attention and I can work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It can be background noise. And, uh, so I started watching that and, I, of course I was annoyed, which is kind of funny because the show is actually uh, put together by Robert Rodriguez, who did the movie. So, (laughs) but it was just kind of annoying because the show, um, I was telling Colette, it's like they decide to do, like, we have a chance here to develop more, the characters more deeply and do backstory. And so they do, like, basically the first season turns out to be, like, the entire movie spread out. So <laughs> so it wasn't like, okay, we're going to do a pilot episode, and this is what happened in the movie, and then from here we'll go make a show. Nope, they just redid the whole movie. And so they did all this backstory stuff for these characters, and I told Colette, like, It's so crazy, like, it's to the point where I feel like at some point, like, during a pivotal scene in the movie, like, a gunfight, like, the TV show is going to redo it and do slow motion and then freeze frame on, like, a dust mite and then, like, show that dust mite story about how it started out (laughs) during the Big Bang and then it ended up on some old lady's doily and a coffee table, like... It was just, like, nonsense, like, backstories to, like, a bank teller that was kidnapped and put in a trunk, like, in the movie. And it's like, I don't need her backstory. Nope, I don't need it.
2: (laughs) I will provide some backstory. Okay. This is an example of why I don't listen to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have heard your...
0: This rant? before.
2: before... So you my test audience. So I know that you know, except for the really geeky stuff, which I tune out of. When you talk to me about anyway, um, <laughs> most of like the the pop culture stuff, I'll have heard at least a variation of before. So that's my defense. Continue.
1: No, I think I'm done now. <laughs> and Colette, is never
2: coming back on the podcast again. <laughs>
1: You bring no, up see, a good point
0: See I think at some point uh, If Tina's up for it We should have the both of you on the podcast <laughs> And then you can talk about how uh, We make you watch things
2: <laughs> The obscure things that we never thought We'd ever see
1: That would be funny You two like saying Oh my god did he make you watch this
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tina going that was so gross <laughs>
0: I I almost feel like that could be an entire podcast in and of itself. Just like a second a second track of just the two of them commenting on the on the podcast.
2: <laughs> like what is it? The mystery theater? Uh, yeah, mystery science theater. There you go. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's very meta. Yes, we haven't. Um, that is, you bring up a point though. We haven't uh, talked about too much technology. And you actually have something to share, Colette, because uh in at your birthday in June I got you some really nice jewelry.
2: Yes, I I'm wearing a bracelet that <laughs> Chris um gave me for my birthday. I have the jawbone bracelet.
0: Oh nice.
2: So it's uh it's essentially like a movement tracker, as far as I can see. It tracks your movements during the day, and then it uses that same apparatus to track your lack of movement at night to see how well you slept. So it's been, um, it was part of my 40 at 40, trying to walk uh, (laughs) 10,000 steps at least 40 times. But I wasn't entirely sure. I mean, I had talked about it with Chris before he got it for me, but I thought it would be sort of interesting to try I never got into the pedometer thing because it was such a hassle to find a pair of pants that worked with your pedometer, you know, usually, especially for women, you know, like Mm, yeah, that particular pair of pants didn't work or did. And they're not the most attractive devices to wear in general. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I, uh, when I first put it on, I wasn't so sure I'd be wearing it. But so far I've, I've liked the fact that it basically is a button that you push to activate whatever function you want and it Bluetooths to your phone and really most of the function happens on the app
0: oh that's cool
2: so uh, you know basically i'm wearing a pedometer that i just have to push a button if i want it to track a certain activity whether it be how uh, long an exercise activity is or when i'm going to sleep so
1: hmm. yeah it's curious uh i did the research and it, it seemed to be the one most recommended compared to fitbit and the nike fuel and there's a few other ones but uh it, it had a lot of good recommendations but it's interesting that the jawbone uh it's the jawbone up 24 it only tracks her sleep and steps and so like she said um were we going to go for a bike ride or something like that she would then just like push the button once and it starts a stopwatch and then when we're done with our bike ride she can stop it and then she can like label that in the app like that was a bike ride but it still tracks steps am i right like, yeah it
2: tracks it as steps
1: so you can connect oh. it, you can connect it to other apps and then you can sort of unlock more functionality like you can say like so then you start the stopwatch and then like it connects to the other app and says okay you actually
2: have to open that app usually right first and then you can it imports that information Data, right. back in but then you have to have your phone out to do that. So, you know, I tend to not use that function, the, the other apps a lot.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, the sleep function. And then there's a social aspect, right? So you can uh, friend, <laughs> friend other people with jawbones that you know. And uh, one of those people that she knows, her aunt, was saying like, you know, she didn't realize like you, you can actually hide some of your data too. So she's like, <laughs> I've I decided I'm not going to like show my sleep cycle anymore. And I was like, well, what's, oh, I suppose like you... Might not want people to know, like, exactly when you were sleeping. They might burglarize your house or something. If right, yeah. Someone on your friends on that. And she was like, or you can tell when you're not sleeping if you know what I mean. And I was like, oh, my goodness. That's pretty funny. You guys had a good night last night, didn't you? I
2: was going to say, considering my two friends are my aunt and her husband, my uncle. So
0: uh, I, don't yeah. need,
2: I don't need that information.
0: <laughs> Spike of activity at the same time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. But uh, one of the favorite things I like about watching my aunt's feed is she does yoga. And you, like I said, you can track activities. And so it always it tracks it as one hour and how many minutes, but it only uses H and M. And she always does a one hour of yoga. So it's one hour, zero minutes. So it's one hour of OM yoga. <laughs> So that's sort of an incidental thing that always makes me laugh when I see it. But um, yeah, I'm currently, this week uh, is sort of my baseline. I'm curious to see how many steps sort of I take on average in a day. Um, So I haven't sort of done any walks in the evening. One, because it's the first week of school. So it seems like a good week to do a baseline. Sure, yeah. And uh, um, my guess is it's going to average out to be about between 4,000 and 5,000 steps you kind of take on average for myself, which means if, uh, you know, your goal is 10,000 a day, you really need an hour walk or equivalent activity after that.
1: Right. Yeah. An- another thing, I mean, it uh, because it tracks your sleep, it'll also, you can set an alarm and it'll buzz to wake you up, um, which is a lot nicer in the morning, say if your husband doesn't have to get up the same time as you. As yeah. They- uh, <laughs> But um, what what's cool about that functionality is um, you can also set it in the app to buzz during inactivity. So basically the jawbone can say, hey, get off your ass. <laughs> and um, so I hadn't thought about that and how useful that would be and neither really had Colette. And we had, you know, it was summer and it was the summer of, Much traveling and weddings and very busy. So, Colette, and she's trying to do 10,000 steps a day because that's what the app has like set a goal for her and told her. And so, here's what she's trying to do. So, we've been really busy. And then, when we did this road trip to Vancouver, and
2: it was when we went to Calgary uh, with your mom.
1: Oh, was that it? Yeah, we went to, well, yeah. That's right. When we went to the mountains with my mom, like it started buzzing at her. She's like, oh my God, oh, oh. Is it, she we had been so active, it was like not until that point when we were in the car driving for three hours that it had sat enough time to say, hey, get off your ass and do something.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can set it. You can set the window that you want. So I think I have mine set. Well, for the summer I had set it between 12 and 5. Um, if you've been inactive and you can set it for an hour, two hours, it'll buzz to just sort of remind you that maybe you should get up and go for a walk.
1: I totally need that right now because like, uh, just, uh, sit here and edit images all day. And then I realize I don't feel so great because back when I worked with Paul, it was, you know, here comes Chris again. It was either me or Steve running around the office, like walking around, talking to people. (laughs) That's how I would like get off my butt and get moving and get more motivated and yeah, be active, and now I, I don't have anyone here in the place except for the Roomba iRobot now to to go hang out with, so I need the Jawbone to buzz me and tell me to get up and move. <laughs> I'm just getting a look. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like everything, it has lots of different features and stats that you can take as far as you want. Um, you know, it, it tracks, um, if you put in different information it can track calorie burn and stuff like that so for me i'm just kind of focused on sort of the basics of it but it does seem to have a lot of different options that would uh, if you're a geek at numbers like chris likes to crunch numbers and stuff it'd probably be um, time consuming for some people
0: <laughs> yeah
1: i sure do love that math it's fun
0: well, and it's you're giving yourself something measurable that you can then use to kind of, you know, monitor monitor your health in a way that's not most people are like, oh, I don't feel well. Something must be wrong. And that's the first time that they really do a lot of thinking about their health is when they don't feel well. So um hmm. being able to kind of have this if the if the app is just or if the jawbone you don't have to do too much thinking about it to keep it, you know, tracking. You can give yourself at least a trend line on this sort of stat of, you know, how active am I during the day.
2: Yeah, and they um they have um they've kind of changed the interface a little bit, but each day they give you three or four sort of facts. Usually one's about a health, general health, one's about eating, one's about exercise. And um but then it also because it tracks you. It'll say, hey, you know, I've noticed that you've had an inconsistent um, bedtime. Did you know you should really try to set your bedtime to be more consistent? We suggest you go to bed at ten eleven today. It comes up with this like random number. Huh. And uh, it also noticed like, oh, you know, um, you know, you're, you know, not walking the same distance you did last week. You know, why don't you try to just do 500 more steps today? And then it asks if you're in and then it kind of gives you yay you did it are you in for tomorrow too so it does give you a little bit of a push as well without being too obnoxious
1: yeah i um <clears throat> i have to say too that's actually probably the reason that convinced me to buy the jawbone versus uh, the other brands was uh i was actually uh at a a doctor's office um a sports medicine doctor I had a I went to go see and he um he was wearing one and I just said, you know, so why the job owner not a Fitbit? And uh he said these notifications that you get on a daily uh every day, um he kept getting a notification that said, uh we noticed that you haven't been doing much. <laughs> and uh he Basically, he just, like, emailed them and said, well, the problem is is I'm not doing much because the Jawbone broke. And so um, Jawbone sent him an email right back and said, um, please give us your address. We'll ship you out a new one immediately. Put the old one in the box. Wow. And I was like, you don't get that sort of, like, customer service or warranties these days. So that's a good enough uh, sales pitch for me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I was like, sweet.
2: Yeah, well, Chris was telling his story. I decided to actually open the app and play around. So um, I was telling Chris um, this week that I'm trying to um, get a good eight hour sleep. So I'm not too grumpy for the kids. And it's always interesting to actually see your sleep graph the next day. And I know lots of different apps. You don't have to have a jawbone. You can just put your phone on the bed, do it. But I find it fascinating. There's no consistency to my sleep pattern. <laughs> You know, you'd think you'd be somewhat consistent, but the amount of deep sleep I get and when I get the deep sleep seems to be relatively inconsistent. But I've just noticed I can set a bedtime reminder. So I can choose what days of the week I want it. I can set it for the time. It tells me a recommendation, what they would suggest based on mm. my previous activity and how long do I need to prepare for bed. So uh, if I want to go to bed at 10, 10, I want 30 minutes to prepare, it'll remind me at 9.30. So I'm going to try that out and see what it actually does. I'm assuming it'll just just beep at me.
1: Yeah, my app does that as well. I just never listen to it. I'm always like, what's this (laughs) weird reminder? And it's like... That's a nice...
2: You know, I wasn't so sure. It's like all these things, they really exist as an app without the device on your arm, right? I can probably use a pedometer app and a sleep app. But what's nice is I just, like Chris just said, I dismiss all my notifications from my phone if I actually have the volume on. What's nice about a single use device like this is that I can't ignore it because it's vibrating on my wrist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're, as my aunt uses it for behavior modification, you know, it forces you really to pay attention. So...
1: One thing well, yes, I love I love that kind of stuff. Totally.
2: Anyway, that's my pitch for Jawbone, <laughs>
1: our new sponsor. Yeah, we yes. need to. I was gonna say we need to
0: get them on the sponsorship uh, bandwagon.
1: Go go to their website and enter Montreal sauce a <laughs> discount code. Yeah. Yes,
0: it's a fabulous discount of zero percent, but they'll know that you heard it somewhere strange.
1: Right
2: yeah uh, well i'll I'll just keep on going then. One of the things I'm not a napper, I have to say, <laughs> but one of the things that I tried is they have this power nap option, and it you know it's like the sleep app it'll wake you up at the ideal time, but it's also based on how much sleep you had previously, not just how your sleep is during the nap. Ah. so I thought that was quite interesting because I actually used it one day when I hadn't had a good sleep, and I woke up after, and I really did feel quite refreshed and it was a successful it was a successful nap as a non napper. Because I tend to oversleep and then I feel groggy.
0: Yep. That's my problem with naps as well, actually. If I even attempt to take one, it usually ruins the rest of my day because I can't. I just <laughs> never get back to feeling really awake and then it's bedtime again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then your whole sleep pattern is totally off. But yeah, so I, I have to say it's it's it was a very good jewelry purchase on Chris's behalf.
1: <laughs> nice. I will say uh, we should probably wrap it up. But uh, speaking of one thing, well, um, uh, it wouldn't be a Montreal sauce podcast if we didn't at least talk about ArcOS for a second. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there goes the headphone. She's out. Uh, nice. <laughs> no. Um, Take a drink. Yeah. I just. uh I just um upgraded finally and it turned out that my memory card was bad, but that's neither here nor there. But I upgraded to I think he's at point oh six or point six um as far as ArcOS and mm-hmm. the interface has changed. It's uh it's much nicer actually. Um it's cleaner and then um, they added their uh, beta of the file sync plugin, which is based on sync thing and sync thing is Awesome. So uh, I say one thing well because that's my only frustration at this point, but it's totally beta, and uh, the crew over at ArcOS and uh, Jacob plan to um, change it. Um, But um, it just does file syncing, period, so it doesn't have the functionality of, say, Dropbox, where you can copy a link and share it with someone. Yeah but the setup was probably less than, like, eight minutes, um, and that's, like, setting up the Arc OS and then setting up, like, my computer. <laughs> like, its sync thing is really awesome. So uh, the that new addition in uh, Arc OS is really cool. So um, when you're not uh, coding, like, additional crazy websites and <laughs> editing additional crazy podcasts in the future, um, you'll, you'll probably enjoy some of the new changes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I have my, uh, Raspberry Pi running down in the basement and I haven't even gone back. I configured something, um, to be running on it, but I haven't gone back and messed with it since. Um, I think that was C file. I think that's what's on it right now is like regular Raspbian and then, um, C file. But, uh, I haven't been actively using it, so I don't have anything important on it, which means it's in perfect shape to go back and mess with uh, ArcOS again, um, which I would like to do at some point. And I had read, I've been following uh, their blog, and they have announced a lot of the stuff that they have coming in the future, um, including uh, hosted versions of ArcOS, but then also like support services for people that host their own. Like handling the dynamic DNS stuff, um, as well as having like a handoff for mail. So if you're trying to use your ArcOS machine as a mail server, like having a having like an augmented um mail server that makes that work better as well. Um so I'm looking forward to them uh getting some of that stuff rolled out in addition to the continued progress on ArcOS, because I think uh it's a great system. Um and uh i'm looking forward to it just getting even more even more capable but at the same time it seems like every release gets just a little bit easier to use and closer to something where i would be like okay mom i you know i put this together for you and i'm going to plug it in and now your calendars and stuff can all sync through this instead and you can do your file sharing stuff through this instead and it will be yours you'll own it it actually lives in your house and you don't have to worry about you know google going away or switching phones or any of that stuff because you know where your data is
1: yeah the uh new uh hosted stuff is called the uh, skylark i think it's skylark.is IO. um but yeah that looks really sweet i'm actually <clears throat> i like the idea like you're saying like hosting your own like that's uh the whole idea self-hosting but um I definitely am curious about the new service that they're about to uh, embark on, so i'm looking forward to that because there's plenty of other crazy Raspberry Pi projects I can try <laughs> yeah my um, uh, my future goal actually we went to uh <laughs> it 's called Princess audio or auto. Princess auto <clears throat> but uh, they um they'd have more than just car stuff it was just a really weird mix of <laughs> things that you can buy there um but anyway i found like a couple of uh i think they're like six or eight inch uh solar panels and i got them for like 4.99 a piece so cool uh, a future plan of mine is to maybe get like a small like battery and then um set up either like maybe a charging station to charge like our gadgets phone or tablet or Even maybe just if I can figure it out, like, run the pie so it's, like, totally off the grid. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be very cool. And green. Yes, green. So, <clears throat> we should call it, we should call it, so, Paulette. Yes. Where can people find you, like, if you want to be found? Like, are you on Twitter or where are
2: you? Where am I? Where am I in outer space? Um, I used to um, send ideas out on Sunday. So when I joined Twitter, I thought, hey, I'll call myself Sunday Ideas. Not really realizing that might have a lot of religious connotations when you search the term Sunday Ideas. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I have Sunday Ideas on Twitter and on Google Plus. I have two accounts because I am that geeky. Nice. But um, yeah, I joined Google Plus before really our district had gotten going with it. So, um, there's a lot of educators that use Google Plus for their professional learning network. And then my district got going with it as well. And so, I have sort of um, myself, I use it both professionally. So Colette Mondor and Colette Mondor at Google+. Plus. Uh, one was with a wonderful avatar that Chris gave me for my birthday present. <laughs> and another is just a picture of me. So that's my EPSB one. Um, and where else can you find me? Instagram? Eclectic? I don't even know how to say my own handle, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that.
2: And yeah, those would be the main places that I'm willing to admit to.
0: Nice. <laughs>
2: Occasionally in IRC as Sobekneferu. My husband still can't say that.
1: So Sobekneferu.
2: Sobekneferu, Sob for short.
1: So. But now, but now it's been recorded, so I can always listen to this podcast. Yes that's right i'll
2: just, I'll just put it, it on a i'll it put it on a,
1: uh, on a soundboard for you
2: that's right there'll be a sound bite. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and our future sound uh board app that we're gonna build and then i can just put it in there and yes, then like use the app to say it for me and i'll have to see full circle back to kids learning not learning <laughs>
2: actually you know christopher is a, a good example of a a motivated self-learner. He's someone always that's um, teaching himself things and exploring, not necessarily with um, a profitable outcome at the end of all of them, <laughs> but he learns for the sake of learning. And it's, it's always kind of fun to, even though I don't understand half the things that he shares sometimes, but how he gets excited about learning and really all of that's a part of easy access to information. And uh, so... I always joke that I don't need kids because I'm married to one, but uh, (laughs) I mean that in a positive way. That's
1: right. This week I learned the difference between, um, designing for print and designing for screen printing. So make sure you go out and get a Montreal sauce (laughs) t-shirt. Nice. Because my wife wants me to be profitable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you can find me, uh, on the web, uh, imagine that um you can find me i am at sick days s-i-k-k-d-a-y-s uh on the twitters and cupcake and i don't think i've been on app.net in a month probably so um that's where you'll mainly find me or my website so yes that's it i don't have any other crazy thing to <laughs> announce um like i usually do
0: and then, uh, and then I can be found uh, primarily on Twitter, where I tweet about things like Markdown and stuff like that. Um, I am at Paul D, P A U L D on Twitter. Uh, but I'm also, uh, you can find my blog and lots of links to other stuff that I do uh, at padizio.com, P A D I Z I O.com. And that's me in a nutshell that is publicly available on the internet.
1: Publicly available nutshell for everyone. That's right. (laughs) And 3d print it. And then Paul will come to your house and crawl inside. Yes. Nope. Okay. All right. (laughs) Nice face. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And, um, you should probably like listening. Oh, she's going to say something.
2: I was going to say, thanks for having me. Oh,
1: right.
0: Thank you for being here. We appreciate it.
2: And you gave me 13 minutes to spare before my jawbone reminds me I need to get ready for bed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect.
1: Okay. Thanks for uh, being on the show. Uh, Thanks again, Paul. And uh, good night, everyone.